Indeed, as we hold Jesus as our King, as we obey Him, that will lead us into wonderful harmony, as we just heard, and prayerfully we will continue to experience together as His people. Um, uh, We'll be in Romans uh, chapter 14 today, and first we'll get to hear from Helen and a special visitor um, as she gives us the children's sermon. Good morning. My name is Helen, and today we are going to talk about the book of Romans, Romans 14 to be exact. The Apostle Paul wrote this book to help Jews and Gentiles Um, learn to live together in peace and harmony. You see, they were fighting, even in the church, even after they began to live amongst each other and go to church together, they had problems. They were like brothers and sisters. Even some of the Roman soldiers who hated Jews at one time, like Cornelius and the Roman soldier that pierced Jesus' side, became Christians. The Jews were, they, Jews were uh, very afraid sometimes of the Roman soldiers because they were big and strong and used as bullies. Come in, a Roman soldier. Go with a Roman soldier at your service. Where have you been? I ordered you two Easter's and four donkeys ago. Lady, like everything else, everything is on back order. I know you don't expect for me to pay full, full price for you now. Now, now, were you just talking a bit about harmony? Well, if you say it like that, would you accept half price instead Lady, of full? You have a deal. Uh uh-uh. uh. Wait a minute. You got to get some hand sanitizer. <laughs> Here you go, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice doing business with you. All right. Have a good day. I'm sorry, where were we? Can you believe that? A Roman soldier? Oh, yes, the early church also argued over their food preferences. Would you believe that? The Bible says it's never what we eat or drink that we'll we'll be judged for, but it's our love for those who may eat or drink differently. Whether Brussels sprouts, ew, or pork chops, mm mm-mm, God wants us all to line up in harmony with each other. That is based on love and gentleness, kindness, patience and joy, peace, self-control, faithfulness, and goodness. Um, the Bible verse on um, from 18 says this, For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, y'all. Hamburgers or veggie burgers, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So sisters and brothers, eat that tofu and spinach, collard greens or Brussels sprouts. It's all good. Just remember to love one another. Can I tell you something? When I was a little girl, I struggled with getting along with my brothers and sisters because I was the youngest. You know what I did? Can I confess to you? I used to 
sneak and record them saying bad words. And then I would go run and tell my parents and play it for them. A tape recorder was like a, um, the memo, a voice memo on your phone. Yeah. And I know it wasn't very nice. So I stopped before I got creamed by them. <laughs> That's how harmony looks. You see, just like the early church, Paul was like a parent. He had to come alongside of them and to bring them good words from God so that they could learn to live together. Paul said, whether we are here on earth or not, we have to do everything and subject it to Christ. So let's learn to live in peace and harmony. Have a good day. Thanks, uh, Helen and Roman soldier guest. Uh, peace and harmony. What are uh, the whole series really is about living in harmony. And, and today we're going to talk, as Helen was uh, speaking, about secondary issues. Not the primary issues, but secondary issues. As she mentioned, you know, things like the food you eat and, and, and those kind of things. We'll, we'll get into the details. I, I remember a, a story of a, a family restaurant um, that uh, they had all the essentials down. They, I mean, they they made good food um, and served it well. I mean, you know, I mean, that's... What are the essentials of a restaurant? You gotta make good food, serve it well. And the, the, the family, they, they were in alignment on the essentials, but they could not agree on the name of the restaurant. What to call it. Now, the naming a restaurant's important. I mean, there, there are good names and bad names, but there's, you know, a bunch of good names. But they were so, got such an argument around what to call the restaurant, they ended up splitting and, and forming two different restaurants. They, they were uh, they were together on the essentials, but couldn't get together on the secondary issues, and it led not to peace and harmony. So, so today we're, we'll look at these secondary issues that can come up in the church, and there's a whole bunch of them. And they and just like the name, they're important, but not the most important. So, so for us, you know, we are a community following Jesus together. That is what is essential, that we are agreeing together that Jesus is our Lord and King. And we're, we're not just going to sing about it, we're going to live it. That's what we're about. And, and Jesus summarizes it nicely when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And he summarizes it, you know, in a couple sentences. We uh, we're part of the you know the covenant order of evangelical Presbyterians eco. We have uh, the essential tenets, and it takes us about three pages to get there to what Jesus got in two maybe three sentences. But those are our essentials, and and what happened in in the first century church we looked at last week. You know that they were a wildly diverse group of people, as as Helen mentioned. You know, I mean, they were Jew and Gentile. They they were men and women. They were rich and poor, slave and free. Yet in the church, they were radically equal, even though in society there was a huge hierarchy of their values. And yet in the church, they were now learning to live a new way, you know, a different way than the the world lives, being all together with those essential. Truths of following Jesus. 
So Paul, who, who's the teacher and, and, and leader of the, 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 the church in, in that, uh, that day, um, he's going to help them and lead us to remember, you know, a, a sort of a common saying, uh, you know, to keep the main thing the main thing, but address all those other things to address them in a way that still honors God. So that's the guidance that he's going to give us in terms of looking at managing all the conflicts, differing opinions that can happen around these secondary concerns so that even with many voices, many instruments, we will still be singing the same song together. Um, uh, again, Romans uh, 14, starting with verse um, 1. Uh, it'll be on your screen or you can... Turn to it in whatever Bible you might have. Uh, but let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, again, we give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. Now, in the power of your spirit, fill us um, to, to hear from you and, and apply in our lives uh, so that indeed we will be in harmony with one another um, on all these secondary issues and, and we will be glorifying you. Those are our desires. Um, meet us, lead us, guide us in uh, the power of your spirit. In Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Um, now, in, in this passage, you're going to hear him talk about the weak and, and the strong. Um, and, and just so you know, the, and we'll talk a little more about this after I read it, but you know, the, the weak are actually the, the Jews who believe they, there are certain foods they can eat and can't eat. And they're still living according to those guidelines. And the strong are the usually the non-Jews. There are some Jews that are also the strong. And they're the ones who believe, no, all food is clean now. We can eat whatever it is that is, that is before us. It's okay to eat that. So that gives you a little bit of sense as we read um, the, the passages. You'll hear about the weak and the strong. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. As for the one who is weak in faith... Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you? To pass judgment on the servant of another. It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another. While another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats it in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again. That he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? 
For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The the first thing that we see in this passage and that we see in almost all of Paul's letters when he's talking to uh, different churches. You need, need to know this, that faithful Jesus followers will have differing opinions. Maybe you've experienced that. Faithful Jesus followers will have differing opinions. Unity in Christ is not uniformity. Now, what we see in this passage is that, in a sense, these guys are and gals uh, are arguing. This is very simple, very simplified. They're arguing about whether or not they can eat bacon or not, and when they're supposed to go to church. Uh, in a sense, that simplifies what they're arguing about. But um, they're, they're, they've had uh, food laws. That have been passed down from Moses in the Hebrew scriptures. They've had laws about certain days and certain seasons being more important than others. You know, even having a Sabbath day. That day is more important than the other days. And, and now Jesus has come and he's completed all those. Um, uh, Paul in another writing talks about those laws as being uh, what we might say are like training wheels. And Jesus has come, completed those laws. They're now satisfied and he takes the training wheels off. And so there are folks who can live into that freedom and then other folks who are having some difficulty knowing that all food is now clean and that all days are the same. And that's, again, that's where the weak are. Again, mostly Jews who've been following these laws, been following these guidelines for their whole lives, and their ancestors did as well. And now Jesus has come and completed them. So they're they're weak for a, a couple reasons. One, theologically, doctrinally, they're wrong. There's no other way to put it. They're, they're, the, the truth is that Jesus has come and made all food clean. They, and they just can't live into that. So they're, they're weak in that way. They're also weak, and we don't see it so much in this passage, but in others as we continue to go through Romans, you'll see it. They're weak too because, I mentioned this last week, the, the Jews, you know, they've been ostracized from Rome. They were kicked out of Rome. They were blamed for a lot of problems. Now they're making their way back in. Most of them are poor. They certainly don't have any influence in the society. They're not highly valued by their society as a whole. So they're weak in that way also. And the strong then are mostly the Gentiles. You know, so the Gentiles are the, the non-Jews. They're the, the, the pagans. They've been um, worshiping Zeus and Apollos. I mean, they've been worshiping other gods and uh, the pagan temples. And, and yet now they too have converted to Jesus. So they're Jews who've converted to Jesus and they're pagans who've converted to Jesus. And they're following Jesus together, yet from wildly different religious backgrounds. And so these, the, the strong, the, the Gentiles now, are the ones who never followed those old ways. They have no way of understanding them or, uh, and, and there's nothing that they find that now following Jesus requires them. 
to live according to these food rules and these certain religious rules of the temple and what days are more important. So for them, they're theologically correct. They are in alignment with what Jesus teaches and and what Jesus has done. Uh, And they're also stronger because they have more value in society. They're probably more of the the ones that are rich or more of the ones that are free. And they they have voice and influence in their world. So they're stronger in that way also. So they have now these disagreements about important things. But one is correct and one is incorrect. But you know, it's fascinating. If you think about this, I mean, if that's the case, one's correct, one's incorrect... Don't you think the teacher would come in and say, okay, you folks that are incorrect, you got to get on board. Yeah, What you believe is wrong, so now you've got to do this. Paul doesn't do that. He he doesn't come in and beat them up with the Bible. Or berate them with the theological truths of Jesus. They they have these disagreements around important things that are secondary, but instead, Paul comes in very differently. i got to confess, man, this this one's like, as I'm realizing this, as I'm reading this and, and, and studying this, I'm like, that's not what I would do. I'd come in and beat them up with the theological truths. You know, I realize as I'm looking at this, I would not be, I am not a good, strong Christian. Because I'd say, no, we got to correct you guys. You guys got to get with the program. Let's go this way. I'm easily frustrated with those who are slow to get on board. Hey, let's go get this, make this happening. But that... And in so doing, and so being right and pursuing theological correctness, in doing that, I transgress the very commandment that Jesus said was the first. To love God for all I got and to love my neighbor as myself. One of the classic situations where we can win the battle but lose the war. But Paul instead comes in and he, he his command to them in, in verses 1 through 3 are, you know, don't quarrel over opinions. He puts these again right there in their secondary place. Don't quarrel over these. Verse 3 says, do not belittle or despise one another. The the command that he gives, again, those first three verses are, we're to welcome one another just like God welcomes us. We're to welcome one another just as God welcomes us. So, So just because I know I'm right, just because you know you're right, doesn't give me or you the, the freedom now to, to just go eat a meat lover's pizza at the temple on Sabbath day. Yeah, I don't have the, the freedom now to drive through Wendy's and get a Baconator and, and eat it when my car is filled with those that are weak. 
my freedom in Christ, that the truth of Christ is not to lead me or us in that way. There's something bigger here than being right. Don't get me wrong. We don't want to celebrate what is wrong, but there's something bigger here, something more important than being right. So, so to the strong who, who know and desire that, that freedom to eat what they want when they want, what, what Paul tells to the strong in, in verse 3, he's talking to the strong, don't despise the one who abstains. So the ones who don't eat bacon, don't despise them. Or the ones who think you got to have all these rules on the Sabbath, don't despise them. Yeah, they, they, they may be wrong. You may be right. But do not use that as a way to belittle them, call them names, or make a mockery of them. You know, you might feel like they're ignorant, short-sighted, selfish, immature, wrong. Don't belittle or ignore, ignore them or roll over them. Don't do that. I, I can hear the, the, the Gentiles of the day. You know, the ones who are strong saying to the weak, Hey, come on, man. Je- look what Jesus has done. Y- y'all got to move into this change. I mean, none of my friends are going to come to to the temple on the Sabbath and eat salad with y'all. They're not going to do it. So get on board. And Paul says, not so fast. Again, you don't want to win the battle, but lose the war. And to the weak, he says, do not judge the other. You know, don't, don't require the other to abide by your opinion or, or your preferences. You know, I mean, the weak had some points, right? I mean, they had tradition on their side. They even had Jesus in a way on their Hey, Jesus was one of us. Jesus was kosher. Jesus abided by, he showed up at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Yeah, I can't sort of hear the weak sort of sitting back. No, man, look, look what y'all are doing. Y'all are going to ruin society. Y'all are going to take, make these changes and ruin all about the temple, all about our people. No, no, no. You are not following Yahweh. Again, this is not the way of God's people passing judgment. On the strong, taking God's place to pass judgment. Now, here's here's my challenge for uh, us. This this may be one of the uh, benefits for those of us who participate in social media. That we have a record of how we've responded to things in the, the past six months or so. So here's my challenge. Go back and look at your posts, your emails. If you don't do that, just review your conversations. And ask yourself, as you're looking at that, were your comments snide in any way? Were they making a mockery of another person with whom you disagreed? Were you belittling another person in the comments that you made? Were you making a joke of their beliefs or opinions? Were you despising another person 
for whom Jesus died. Were you taking the place of God by judging that other person as ignorant or immature or deficient before God? Were you doing what Paul said not to do? Were you feeding a quarrel over opinions? Now, I've got a confession to make another, a second one here. As I'm preparing this, you know, during the, the, the week, I'm thinking in my mind, as I'm thinking about this part, I'm thinking, yeah, I need to be sure to say this to this person. <laughs> I hope this person listens and catches this, you know. I, and maybe you're doing some of the same thing right now. You're saying, oh, I'm going to capture that part of the sermon and I'm going to send it to so-and-so. Stop. Don't do that. Remember what Jesus said. Focus not on the speck in your brother's eye, but in the log in your own. This is about me. This is about you. This is about looking at yourself. This is about me looking at myself. Am I promoting quarreling? Am I despising another? Or am I condemning the other for whom Jesus died? That's what Paul says here. Man, we, we're, to, we're to treat them every, like God treated us. We're to welcome them with the hospitality of God. I mean, that's verse 1 and verse 3. It's the same words. He says, welcome them. And then at the, in verse 3, he says, this is how God has welcomed them. You want to know how to, to, to welcome them? Then just learn from Jesus. How did he welcome you? Did, did, did Jesus wait and make everything right in your mind before he welcomed you as his friend? Before he made you a child of God? Did he get your doctrines straight? Did he, did he clean up all of your actions and all of your sins? Were they just wiped away? You did everything perfectly and right. You were complete. No, he didn't. He welcomed us in the midst of our brokenness and ignorance and selfishness. Maybe this is our guide as we go back and look at our, our post or replay our conversations or our thoughts. This is a, to say Jesus who has welcomed us, who is with us, within whom walks with us in the power of his spirit every moment of every day. We can ask these questions. Jesus, would you have written that? Jesus, would you have written that in that way? Jesus, would you have written that in that way with that motivation? Go back and review and and think, Jesus, would you have written that? Would you have written that in that way and you have written it with that motivation? Yeah, we're, we're to welcome one another like God welcomes us. It's the first thing that he lets the, uh, the church know. Uh, that this wildly diverse church with such differing opinions and backgrounds, this, this is the first thing you've got to do. Welcome one another like Jesus welcomed you. The, the second thing I think that comes from this is you uh, need to assume the best of your brother and sister in Christ. You need to assume the best of your brother and sister in Christ. Now, look with me now at verse uh, 5 and 6. Um, uh, that, that what Paul says is, you know, look, the weak and the strong, both of them are, are, are seeking to honor God. 
We need to assume that their, their motives and that their intent are honorable. Now, maybe what they're doing is, is their impact is not positive or what they're believing is, is not right. But let's assume that their motives and intent are honorable. Again, look, I'll reread five and six. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. The, the weak, they're, they're still observing the Sabbath, but they do that in, in honor of the Lord. The strong, they eat whatever comes across their plate, but they do that in honor and thanksgiving to God. The weak, they abstain from certain foods, but they're doing that out of honor and glory to God and giving thanks for the food they do have to eat. These are, these are brothers and sisters in Christ who have placed their faith in Christ. So don't lead with judgment. Lead with the assumption that they're seeking to honor and glorify God. But we, our natural tendency is to fill the void negatively. Understand that. that that's just human. But that's not the way of Jesus. Our assumption is usually judgment and condemnation. Not that they're seeking to honor and glorify God. And I want you to look back at, at verse 4 here and, and, and see this because... Um, well, here, here, I'll reread it again. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. He said, how... How does any follower of Jesus stand at the day of judgment? The only way anyone is able to stand at the day of judgment before Almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is because they are bathed in the blood of Jesus. They've been made right by Jesus. That Jesus is the one who makes them stand. They are not there because they have a right belief or doctrine or understanding of the truth of the Trinity. They are not there because they've taken a stand on some justice issue or some social issue or because of their sexual purity or their moral uprightness. Now, all those things are really good. And they should flow from and be a part of what it means to love God and love our neighbor. But we're not standing for any of those things. We are standing simply because of the grace of Jesus Christ. Who has intercepted our lives. Given us faith to know and follow him. That's the only reason anybody stands. And he's the only one who has judgment. So it's on that basis then that we can assume the best of our brother and sister in Christ in our disagreements. So, so in, in, in other words, every Jesus follower is wrong about something. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're wrong about something. I'm wrong about something. It's just I'm really good at figuring out what you're wrong at and not too good at seeing what I'm wrong at. 
And I promise you, every time I stand up here to teach and proclaim, I'm telling you everything I think is true. Now, I know there's something wrong about what I'm saying somewhere. I just don't know what it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't say it. And i got to believe that about you, too. You're not going to get into an argument. You're not going to be fighting for something because you believe it's wrong. I mean, who does that? You know, I mean, if they do, then there's that's a whole other issue. We're talking about, for the most part, people who are mentally in the right spot overall. And i got to believe for the things you stand for, you believe it's right. You may be dead wrong. But you believe it's right, and so do I, and, and so do one another. I mean, so make that assumption, one knowing, and do so out of humility of knowing the only reason we stand, the only reason we stand now and forever is because of the love of Jesus Christ. Not because you got some I dotted or T crossed or you're doing the right thing in your sacrificial love towards your... That's not why. It is because of Jesus. And so I'm sharing this not as a window dressing to still maintaining our arrogant commitments, but to continually form our hearts to avoid quarreling and pursuing what is good and right together. The, the last paragraph that I want to look at then is, is verse verse 13 through 19. And, and here um, we'll... Paul gives us really a summary statement that, that leads us then. All right, how, how do we live into this? What do we pursue? What is our real focus together as we will be in the midst of differing opinions around secondary issues? Um, here, this, this last paragraph, uh, verses 13 through 19. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For your brother is grieved by what you eat. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, largely in this paragraph, Paul's speaking mostly to the strong, those that are right, those who are in the position of influence. And he's saying, don't let your rightness harm one another. Don't, don't let your, your position be used to destroy another for whom Jesus died. I mean, that breaks the first commandment. This is the main thing. This is the song that we sing together to love God and one another by pursuing peace. And building one another up. 
pursue peace and build one another up. Now, peace is not the absence of conflict. Conflict is going to be there. It is there. Differing opinions are there. Because, you know, you may not change someone's mind about the subject upon which you hold dearly. But will you, in your interaction with them, deepen their trust in you and their trust in God? Because that's more important than getting them to agree with you. And, And highlight then the things that you do agree on, the essentials that are yours together. You've heard it a bunch of times, and I know it's cliche, but it works. Agree to disagree agreeably because Jesus is more important than your argument. And build up one another. Yeah, there's simple things that you do. I mean, respect one another. Seek to understand at least where the other person is coming from. Hear their commitments and why they hold them. Hear how they think they're honoring God by what they hold to. Don't just shoot a meme at them that makes a mockery underhandedly of what they believe. And then do the same. This is mutual. And then share with them why you hold what you believe and how you think that best honors and glorifies God. Again, You can go back again. Review the posts. Review the emails. Review the conversations. Were you pursuing peace? Was that your motivation? Were you building up one another? Or were you trying to win an argument? Again, this is helpful stuff for anyone at any time. I mean, this is really good general stuff for building community in a neighborhood. This is really good stuff for building up a marriage. Really good stuff for building a cohesive team. But it's particularly necessary for the church of Jesus Christ. For Paul, it reminds us the significance of unity in Jesus. Not uniformity, but unity in Jesus. That every other brother and sister in Christ is one for whom Jesus suffered and died and welcomes them with open arms and nail-scarred hands. And one day, he will come and retrieve them with the trumpets blaring. So who are we to think we should ever belittle, judge, or destroy another one that he adores? Just like He adores me or you. Friends, let us welcome one another like Jesus welcomes you. Assume the best of one another and then engage peacefully with the motive of building one another up in Christ. Amen.